0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official
1: rules at frito laysnacketespnationcom
0: On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are joined by Greg Thompson. He is from the cover one podcast uh that of course cover the buffalo bills so we'll be talking some patriots bills before greg comes on we're going to talk about some trade deadline information oh baby trade deadlines coming uh obviously between this between this episode and uh the next episode so we'll see when that what the heck happens there a lot of goings on a lot of things to talk about and uh you know and some other some other fairly kind of breaking news so it's a heck of a show so buckle up and cue the music
1: Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson
2: extends the hands. He has Pass. Wilson, quick throw. And it's
1: good. Intercended. It.
2: It to Matthew at the one. Welcome back to the Patriot Nation podcast. Ryan Spagnoli, as always, joined by my good friend Pat Lane. Pat, uh, last week we opened up the show with you know talking about uh, me and the COVID news and breaking that and that whole situation. And then today you broke some news on me. I had no clue. I, I was I was pissed off for a minute. To be honest with you, I was pissed off. Why don't you tell the world now what you what you uh, accomplished uh, last night? That
0: that's pretty cool. Yep. It's pretty cool, man. Uh yeah, we brought home brought home a new puppy. Um brought home a new puppy. Reese. Adorable. Uh oh, she's a cutie pie, man. She's a cutie pie. Reese Bubblegum Lane is her name. Um <laughs> she is uh she's a cutie and it just it kind of we we've been on a list to, she's a golden doodle. My wife is allergic to to dogs, and so she's a golden doodle, and we've been on a list for you know for a while. And we were thinking the spring. 'Cause we wanted a, a mini, you know, smaller one. The standards, standard golden doodles can get like seventy five, eighty pounds are huge. And we didn't want we didn't want we just can't have a dog that big. And so anyway, so long story short, we got a text from a breeder that was like, Hey, someone needs to rehome their puppy. She's like eleven weeks old. What do you think? And we're like, uh can't say and She's no. like, You can pick her you could have her tomorrow. And I'm like, What? Yeah. <laughs> so we were like Okay, we're like completely not prepared, but let's do it. You load the car up
2: and you just head to Paco and just grab everything at first sight,
0: bed, water. So So, what's interesting is that she actually, the woman, we literally just bought a bowl and that was it. The woman um, that that was rehoming the dog um, had a crate and had a bunch of other stuff, had some food already and everything like that. And she like basically for like an extra hundred bucks was like, here, take take all the stuff which was, oh, which was really great. nice to her. So it worked out, which was nice coming from a loving home. It just, you know, situation was that they just couldn't, you know, they just, they just couldn't. Hey, puppies uh, are tough, man. Like I dog. said to you and, and Miranda said it, yep. you, you got a fourth child now. So
2: gear up, Bro. right? Just right when Johnny mm-hmm. starts to get old and and he's, uh, you know, he's kind of getting some, he could be on his own a little bit. Now you welcome a puppy. Right. Welcome back to, to Puppet.
0: Oh yeah. Bro, I mean, this is it. This is the first night. So I haven't even dealt with the night yet. So <laughs> uh, right now I'm feeling good. But we'll see how I feel in the morning. So,
2: (laughs) hey, no barking yet. Now we have to
0: get used to that interrupting us. That's it. If that happens, you know, if it happens, it happens. Right? We'll deal with it. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's Reese, and uh, I've been calling her little little Reese. She she's got the little peanut butter coloring. So, I I figured it had something to do with it. I thought
2: maybe it was your favorite candy because it's mine.
0: Um, I mean, it's kind of everyone's favorite. Yeah, it has to be. You're a freak if it's not. I know. But you know, but or allergic to peanut butter, you know, one of yeah. those. One of those <laughs> yeah, or good, that.
2: Or right? that. Yeah. You're right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, but uh but no, great news and and uh something we're very excited about when the kids were over the moon, just oh, just man. so pumped about it. And uh, you know, and I feel like every kid every kid should grow up with a dog, right? I just feel like every kid growing up with a dog and having a dog with you and like a best friend um it's just so cool you know and uh and i think that that's something that i'm excited for my kids to to have and i i had a dog i think we got a dog when i was in sixth grade so you know we had a dog kind of you know from then on my sister was in first grade so like we were young you know and we had a dog of course he's passed away since but like you know we had a dog forever so it was just i've had one forever and i my dad
2: i I can't live without it it, you know know, it's my turn to move out and uh, first thing i get man
0: yep Here's our soft side. Now let's get uh, into trade deadline
2: talk. We'll get into trade, and then our soft side's gone. Our soft side is gone now. (laughs) I'm ready to blow it up.
0: I'm ready to blow it up, Pat. Oh, man. Bro, listen, if you lose on Sunday, and we talked about this last week, if you lose on Sunday, you're three and a half games back. You're two and five. They're six and two. You're looking way up, and I don't know how you're going to catch them, honestly. And I know there's seven spots, and so you can, you know, you could – year it's possible listen i always go back to 99 1999 is what i always go back to right patriots started out six and two in 1999 they finished eight and eight right they started out six and two they finished two and six so they were they were struggling big time um they were struggling big time and you know that could happen with the bill i don't see that happening could happen with the bills Barring something like that, if you start out two and five, man, you ain't winning the division. It's just not yeah. happening. And, and so, and hey, at that Bill, point, trade everyone. And and Bills fans,
2: listen up, because you've been waiting for this moment for how like mile. I'm 23 years old. You've never had an opportunity like you do on Sunday. It's right, right in front of you. You can you can bury the Patriots on Sunday. You've been waiting for this. What was Brady? 28, 29, and three in your state. There maybe even more. 31 and three, something crazy like that. You have a yeah, chance ridiculous. to bury the Patriots, make them sellers at the deadline and readdress everything they do on both sides of the ball. If you give yep. this one away, you piss this one away. Just like we're so used to you doing Buffalo
0: at if home. You do this at home
2: at home. You're right back in. It. Pats are right back in. Yep. it, And it's crazy. And let, let's be real. I'm a lot lower on them than, than a lot of people. I don't think this team's going anywhere. And I think Bill Belichick knows it, but, yeah. You go in, Buffalo on Sunday, and you 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 sneak out a win. You play better on both sides of the ball. You move the ball. The cam gets a little bit better. You know, you might make me think a little bit because Buffalo just blew it up. And, and they've been playing. Welcome to October, too, by the way. You get blown out by Tennessee. You lose to the yep. Chiefs at home. They run for over 200 on you. And now you, you don't even score a touchdown versus the Jets. And now you got a hungry Patriots team that's looking to prove a lot of people around. They've heard the yeah, chatter. Yeah. So here you go, Here's a big opportunity for you. It'll be November. Absolutely.
0: Sunday, you get my dream. You know? No, 100%. And, and here's the thing with the deadline, right? Let's just say the Patriots. If the Patriots win on Sunday, I don't think they're selling at the deadline. Outside of, of you know, right, we'll just, we'll address the elephant in the room, which is Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore's getting traded. Yeah. Right now, whether that's at the deadline or whether that's in the offseason, it's going to happen. You know, I personally think it makes more sense at the deadline only because you would assume that a team is willing to pay more at the deadline than they are in the off season.
2: That, and Simply don't you,
0: because see, it not to cut you off, but don't you see too? No, no, go ahead.
2: His play. It, like granted, when you, you're in the depoy, defensive player of the year, and you've played so well for so long, like your status and right. what you're expected is of, of so high. I'm not saying Stefan Gilmore has been bad this year. He's definitely hasn't been what he's been the last two, three years. There's a little dip in his play. I don't think he wants to be here. You let this drag out to the end of the year. You're losing value. You're losing time to trade him. Get, like you trade him the offseason. Right. I think that's the difference between a second and a third, maybe even a second and a fourth rounder. Realistically, with one year left, well, 31 years.
0: So, but this is the thing, right? And people are talking about, oh, there's no way he's getting traded for first round pick, All this blah, 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 everything else, right? I get it. He's 31. I understand. He's the reigning defensive player of the year. He is a top five to 10 corner in the NFL. He is. He still is. And if you're a contender, you have him for the next two seasons, not one season, for the next two seasons. I realize he's on an expiring contract next year, but you're getting the end of this year and you're getting next year. That's worth the first round pick. If I'm Tennessee, I'm, I'm picking up the phone. Bro, if I'm, if I'm Seattle, Seattle has no picks left. But if I were Seattle and actually had any picks left, I'd be in a heartbeat calling them because though, that's the type of player you need. Tennessee, you, Chicago, anyone, right? Whatever the case may be, I think Tennessee makes the most sense. But even you know, like Tampa, like whatever, dude. Anybody, if I'm a contending team, I'm looking at that, saying Stefan Kilmore, reign defensive player of the year, like top five corner in the NFL. That guy's going to help me win a championship this year, and I get him for next year too. And and nah, that's I'm giving up a first pick for that. It,
2: yeah, no, it's true, and 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 I do see that side of it. But I did, you know, Albert Breer said today. Of all the guys traded at the deadline or before the draft that went for first round picks, were all under twenty six. Yeah, the oldest one was Stefan Diggs last year, um, and had that's cute. Had he was than... wrong.
0: He was wrong. Bessie? He was wrong. Carson Palmer, Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford, and Carson Palmer too. Was 31. Right, thirty one. Uh, Carson Palmer, you're right. I'm sorry, last Palmer strong. was thirty one and traded for a first round pick. I think Bradford was like twenty eight or twenty nine, but Bradford didn't know anything. I don't care what his age is. And again, the age. I think is misleading. No, I, because I, it's it, not. A, yeah, you know what I mean. No, like it's not no, about. No, I know. Yeah. Gilmore's not about age to me. It's not like he. It's not like he. He, he used to be the defensive player. He was the defensive he player still of the got last three last years year. Three years left.
2: You still got three right. years. Right.
0: So, and that's why it's worth the first round pick if you're if you're co- legitimately competing. If you're someone like the Titans, or Jesus Christ, the Chiefs. Like I don't know how the hell the Chiefs could possibly afford it, but like, if you're someone like the Titans or the Chiefs. Jesus Christ, like absolutely make that trade because yeah, sure, I'll give you a first and you know what? I'll throw in a fourth too. Whatever, dude. Because if that's gonna help me win a championship this year or next year, it's worth it. Well, like and like I said, and similar to Sunny last get. year.
2: You gave up a second right. and you had last year and this year under obviously we were expecting a and much higher Yeah, yep. right. I mean that but that's what that's the same kind of situation. I think he's around thirty two. I know totally different positions and totally different need, but right. um, You know, they're they're not getting getting just a second. They're not getting just a first. I think if they do anything, it'll be a first and a fourth, a second and a fifth, a second and a fourth. And that
0: was it. If, if Gilmore, if this is next year and Gilmore's on an expiring deal, then that's a different story. Yeah. Oh yeah. But with, with the end of this year and next year, I think, I think it's completely reasonable to expect a first round pick back for Stephon Gilmore. And if you don't get that back, you know, and let's just say you win this weekend. or Even if, if you lose, whatever. If you don't get that back and you're not. All right. Sorry about that. We got a few a little technical difficulties there. But we were talking about Stefan Gilmore um, and, you know, him getting moved. And again, as I was saying, just to kind of reiterate it, like, yes, he's 31. Okay. But he's not. I think he's 30. He he I he's 30. Is he 31 or 30? I want to say he's 30, man. Is he? Well, you might. You might be right. He might only be 30. But either way. He's not the normal older player getting traded. The guy won defensive rookie, defensive player of the year last year. He was he's, an absolute he turned 30, monster. And sorry, he turned 30. And you're right, he September turned 30 night. in September. Yep. So he'll be right. so he won't be 31 till the till the start of next season. Right. So so you know, you're looking at you're looking at a great player. And again, defensive player of the year last year, and he's not it's not like he sucks this year. Like maybe he's he's not gonna win defensive player of the year this year, right? But he's still playing at a fairly elite level. Um, and so to me, I look at it and say, yeah, like if I'm another team, I take a shot at that. What the hell? And, and, and you get him for the end of this year and all next year. And so that's the, that's the part of it for me that makes the most sense because yeah, okay. I get him for, for the end of next, this year and next year. So really two seasons with Stephon Gilmore to win a championship makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And he can change as we saw here, he can change your entire defense, you know? And so I think it makes a lot of sense for someone to trade a first round pick. I don't know if the Patriots will get that or not, but I think I think he's getting moved no matter what, right? And I think it makes the most sense to move him at, at the deadline because I think you're going to get the most for him now as opposed to in the offseason. But then again, if you don't get the offer you want, you can always say, you know what, screw it. We're going to hold on. It, it,
2: great point. And I want to move on to the quarterback position real quick before we jump into our conversation with Greg. Uh, obviously, it's it's been atrocious. It's been atrocious, Pat. We, we've known that. We talked about it after the game. Cam Newton, granted, you know, he adds value with his legs, but two touchdowns of seven picks is, is, is just not, you're not cutting it, man. I'm sorry. Um, and I said, I've said to my friends who kind of got on me about sit and he, he don't look much better either. Um, I might've been dead wrong about sit I mean, it might've been, might have been wrong about sit but uh, as of right now, I'm dead right on Cam. Um, but anyways, enough tooting my horn, your horn. Uh, like I said, that, that quarterback play has been, has been great. And, and, this is a conversation that I think is interesting, right? You're going into Buffalo, your season's on the line. There's, there's no sugarcoating it, your season's on the line. You you lay an egg. Cam has another you know, multi-turnover game, just can't move the ball, can't process, can't read defenses, can't put the ball in on time and rhythm. Do you make a change, right? And, and like I said, and, and this isn't coming from somebody who, and you, know, you guys know we're big Stidham fans, and I'm not saying this because I want him to play and I'm not making excuses for him because he's been bad too. He's been real bad. He, he, you go in, Zolak talked about it. He's a career backup. He did it for Drew. When you go into a game as a backup, the one thing you can't do is turn the ball over. And he's repeatedly done that. Granted, right. the one Edelman versus Kansas City hit him in the hands. He threw a terrible pick, um, you know, to Demir Bird late, late in that game. And then and then he got one call back on a kind of a BS call, uh, pass interference call. So he, and then obviously last year. So he known to turn the ball over, but I will cut him some slack. Because it is a tough situation to kind of go in there. The defense knows you're throwing. You're going in in garbage time. Does it come to a point now, right, where you throw in the towel? And and Belichick's not going to throw. Like, when I say throw in the towel, he's not going to tank tank for Trevor. That, that stuff is bullshit. But you lose Sunday. And, and like I said, Kim has another stinker, which is completely possible because he's trended downward since the Vegas game. Do you, do you get him ready? You got an extra day, Monday night versus the Jets. Do you get him ready and, and, and see what's in him? I'm at the point now where it's like, start him. Start him. You can't get much right. worse in that position. If he goes in and sucks, he wins two games, you, you're you looking at a top seven pick at four and 12, five. I don't want to get there, but that's just where we are right now. Like, let's face it here. That's where we are. You go in, you get him ready. I think a great opportunity for him to start get his feet wet, you know, ease himself into that role for the rest of the year would be against the Jets the following week. And then obviously you get some tough games and everything, but you can kind of build off that, get his, like I said, get his feet wet, build a game plan around him, prepare with him that week, get him with the ones consistently and see what you got. You have nothing to lose. If you lose Sunday, this is if you lose Sunday, you're two and five, you're likely out of the division. It's almost impossible to make the playoffs, especially with how, you know, Competitive the AFC's been this year.
0: Right. No. And listen, I, I think, I think here's the other part of it for Cam, right? And everyone says, oh, he played great in Miami. Listen, he was 15 out of 19 against Miami for 155 yards passing and no touchdowns. He was 17 for 28 for 162 yards, a touchdown and interception against Vegas. And so that to me, now obviously we know how bad he played against Denver and, and how bad he played against San Francisco. But the point to me, that makes, him, that makes more, you know, that I think we need to be talking about more is that he really threw the ball effectively in one game. And that was against Seattle, and Seattle was, has maybe the worst secondary in the league. And so whatever, regardless of whatever, the, what the situation was in, in uh, Seattle, regardless of that, the point is, is that he's thrown the ball effectively in one game. And so he ran the ball extremely effectively uh, in the Miami game. He, the offense won without him really being super effective throwing the ball against Vegas. They found a way to win anyways. You know, he ran the ball uh, pretty effectively there as well. Uh, not super effectively. He only had he only ran the ball nine times, to be honest with you. But, but they moved the ball a little bit. And so I think that that's kind of a big, you know, that's kind of what people overlook and say, oh, yeah, he was okay in the Vegas. No, he wasn't. He was throwing the ball. He wasn't good in those two games. So he really you know, he's had one good game throwing the ball and, you know, four kind of not very good game. One horrendous game. And, you know, three like, eh, okay. Like fine, I guess, but like not very good. And the Denver game wasn't good either. So I guess, I guess two, like fine, one bad, one really bad. And so it's like, if that's what you're getting from your starting quarterback, what the hell are we doing? Like, Put in Stidham. And, and the thing the thing about it for me is is you're not putting in Stidham. And first of all, I think you should try a trade Cam. That's my number one thing. Now, whether anyone will take him, I don't know. Maybe Dallas is someone to give you a six-round pick free. For him. He was basically know, free maybe.
2: in the offseason. He was free when you signed him. Who's going to give up a pick? Because in, right. in my opinion, how do you keep a guy? If you're officially moving on, and I know it sucks because he came here to rejuvenate his career, and I want him to get that next contract. I really do. I think he's taken a lot of accountability on himself. He's been a great leader in that room. And and Stidham talked about how much yep. he's learned from him, I respect that from him, um, you know, taking accountability. He said, I don't point fingers. I point thumbs. Right. So. Right. If you're moving on from him at that point, can you even like, can you keep a polarizing image like that behind Stenum? You know, like if, if you're officially throwing in the towel, is it? <laughs> Because someone can turn around and say, "Well, well think, if you don't, you know, if you don't want him, just cut him. We'll, we'll just get him that way. We'll get him yeah. free."
0: If you move on from Cam, you have to get rid of him. You can't keep him on the team because it just doesn't. To me, it doesn't make any sense um, to keep him there. If if you're gonna move on from him, I mean, what are you, you know, what are you doing? Right, his contract runs out. It's not like you're worried. Contract's out I've done it at the end of the year. Like, there's no reason to have him around. You know, if you're moving on and I think I think for me, honestly, at two and five, I look at it and say, OK, at the worst, you're just seeing what you have, because this is really a lost year. Your offense has sucked for multiple weeks in a row. Now you saw what the offense looked like with Hoyer at starting quarterback. And again, sit him. And, and as we've reiterated and we'll continue to say it, sit him's look terrible going in as a back. He's look terrible. And so is he even active? Sunday? Did they make him active?
2: <laughs> are they going to turn around and say screw you you don't deserve the backup role are they are going to roll with Hoyer like they've done it before
0: maybe i mean it's possible right and that's so that's that's there's so many questions that we don't know right but like i just think for me i look at it and just say it can't possibly be worse than what they've already put out there really i mean if you look at it you just say it can't be worse so why and not that, like and i you said just why not start the kid
2: and the final eight games and see what you got right Maybe he wins a job for next year. Maybe and that's he gives it. It a little hope for next year,
0: right? Because at that point you're drafting in the top, you know, in the top half of the draft, and so you look at it and say, okay, maybe th- maybe there's a guy we can get. Maybe we can draft a guy. But if Stidham can play well, you're like, well, okay, maybe we don't have to draft a guy in the first round. Maybe we can draft a guy in the third or fourth round. That you know, maybe there are some question Remember, Joe Barr was going to be a fifth round draft pick last year, and and he had a full college football season, and he. He showed out. And so are they playing college football now? Yes, they are. Is it a full college football season? Not really. So we're not really going to know, right? They're not having a full training camp. They're not doing it. So like, is that Joe Burrow guy out there? Maybe, probably not. Like, you know, as far as like, nobody is concerned that all of a sudden is good Baker Mayfield, same thing. calamari same thing. Like these guys were little known players before they're one big year and they've all turned into Super Bowl Baker, maybe not so much, but they've all turned into superstars in the NFL. And so is that guy out there? Maybe it's possible, but like, okay, if Stidham is fine, then maybe you don't have to take a guy in the top, you know, in the, say you're in the top 10, maybe you don't have to take a guy in the top 10 you can take something that you can, uh, you know, look at another position. And then you can take a, maybe a more developmental guy or a shot in the dark a little bit later to say, this kid has the skills to do it. He just never really got the opportunity. And so, you know, is that going to happen? I don't know. But like, at least, you know, what you have, at least, you know, going into it, Hey, you know what? We can kind of compete with cinema quarterback or yeah, no, we can't compete with cinema quarterback. So we need to replace that immediately, whatever the case may be, wherever we're going to go, you know? And, you know, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I think that that's, that's the thing to me. Of course, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because they haven't lost yet. This game hasn't happened yet, but we're talking about, moving on and realistically, we're not going to have another podcast before the trade deadline. And so what's going to happen at the trade deadline and you know, who's going to be available. And is it, you know, I think people are talking about Joe Tooney. That doesn't make any sense. They, they franchise Joe Tooney so that they could sign him next year when they have a ton of cap space, he's not going anywhere. So like the offensive line is going to be, you know, and he's hurt right now. The offensive line is going to be, going to be set, you know, and he's hurt. Right. And so, you know, but so we'll see, we'll see what ends up happening. But man, uh, it uh, it does not look good, and we talk about it with Greg. But like, man, just being on this side of of, of this just sucks. It's different, <laughs> you know? man. It's so sucks. different. Yeah. So, but anyways, guys, thanks thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We're going to get into our uh, we're going to interview with Greg Thompson from uh, from Cover One. He's a great great interview. Obviously, Bill's guy, but um, you know, but we have a great conversation with him. We really appreciate uh, him coming on. And so make sure you stick around for that. As for us, we'll be back with the post game show, as you guys always know, and then we'll be back with this show next week. All right. So we are extremely excited to bring on Greg Thompson. He is the host of the cover one Buffalo podcast, obviously covering the Buffalo bills, the Patriots opponent this week. And, uh, Greg, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Appreciate it, man. We're really excited to be able to talk tonight. It's, a uh... It's a foreign feeling for Bills fans and Bills media to go into a game with reason for actual optimism. This is a foreign feeling to actually have any expectations. I, I don't know how to handle myself.
2: Greg, we were talking about it earlier, and I and I, you know, it, I I have tweeted this out by now because I have it saved in my drafts. Bills fans, and Bills, it's right in front of you, man. It's right there. You've had you've waited a long time for this. You can bury the Patriots. Um, you know, that you can really solidify yourselves in the AFC East. This is a, a golden opportunity. I'm sure you guys have been waiting a long time for, um, so here it is. It, it, it's kind of funny. It like the tables have turned it. We, we were kind of in the situation last year. What was it? Week 16. You guys had a chance to come into Foxborough and kind of make things interesting. Probably would have lost the yeah. division, I think, because we ended up blowing it versus Miami in week 17. Um, but obviously, we were on the other side of that, right? We knew the Bills were coming, and they were a hungry bunch. I think this Patriots team, who I, I've said before, I'm a lot lower on than a lot of people, they're definitely going to be hungry. They're a team that responds well to adversity and, and all like the negative chatter that they hear all week. Uh, so it should be an interesting game. I, I, I'm ex- extremely excited for it, and obviously, we're on the other side now. So I, I get it now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's certainly weird to be in that spot, but I think you're spot on. I, I actually, I'm really uncomfortable with how important I think this game is. I think this is an absolutely critical game from a, you know, season long perspective. You talk about the difference of if the Patriots win this and now the Bills are five and three and they're three and five, but they have a game in hand in Buffalo. I mean, that's a huge leap for them to get right back into the thick of things. If the Bills win and they go six and two and the Patriots are two and six, I mean, two and six with how competitive this AFC is and how many good teams there are buying for these wildcard spots, that's a steep hill to climb. Well,
0: and that's it. And so the Patriots have actually already had their buy. So they would only be, they would only be three and four, not even three and five. So that's even a oh, bigger yeah, difference. Back, yeah. Right. And so the thing is, so for me, you know, again, like you said, even two and five though, to me, you know, bills are six and two, we're two and five. Like it's, For all intents and purposes, it's over. And I mentioned the Spags beforehand. Like 1999 is what I always come back to. Patriots started out six and two and finished two and six. It ended up going eight and eight. Beyond a collapse like that, there's no way you could start out two and five and catch a team that starts out six and two. It just doesn't happen in the in the NFL, especially with the talent that the Bills have. It's not like the Bills are like, you know the 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 Bengals, and they're just putting things together. Like they have a talented roster offensively and defensively, and it looks like Josh Allen, although he's come back to earth a little bit in the last three games, has, you know, has improved significantly since last year. And I had said from the beginning, you know, and you remember, and, and of course, uh, those of you that are on Locker Room now, which is in the App Store right now, which is pretty dope, uh, Greg is, you know, Greg is a, a constant feature on on uh, on Locker Room, and we've been chatting since the beginning of the season and i had said at the beginning of the year i thought the bills were kind of a sleeper super bowl contender with that roster assuming allen could take as many leaps as he as he needed to and the first few games he looked unbelievable and again he's come back to earth a little bit but he still looks significantly better than yeah, he did last year
2: it's hard to play that well for that long right i mean and he's he's finding ways to win games i know obviously kansas city it's a tough game for anybody and then um you know tennessee I'm sure you don't want to talk about. It. Everybody has a as a stinker, you know, that you lay. But like I said, I think Bill said it great today in his pot in his press conference that um, you know he he's doing a great job of using his outlet receivers.
1: Yeah, and it's you know you talk about those first four games. It was understandable the teams were coming into it saying, "Well, we're not sure if you can beat us deep because you've been terribly inaccurate. So we're going to go man and just dare you to beat us deep." And he did for four straight games and he was hitting deep shots and deep crossers and, you know, being able to make them pay. Well then all of a sudden teams like, all right, all right, that's enough of that. Um, We're going to drop two deep safeties. We're going to play cover three. We're going to play quarters. um, You're going to have to beat us with death by a thousand paper cuts. And, you know, do you have the discipline to actually do that over and over again and daring teams to figure out or daring Josh to say, Hey, can you make, the check down decision over and over and over again and not force a ball deep, not force it into double coverage, not try to force your hand. Um and the good news for Bills fans is he finally started to do that the last two games. He couldn't help himself against Tennessee. He started to get a little yep. bit better with Kansas City and then he did it. You know, he still threw for seventy percent completion of three hundred yards. There's some weird fluky stuff of why they didn't get in the end zone with the Jets, but they controlled that game four hundred and twenty two yards to one ninety. Um, he was finally starting to do that. So if he can figure that out and then balance it where defenses now have to come up a little bit and he doesn't get as many opportunities as he did in the first four games, but he gets some chances to hit deep and you connect on one of those along with the, you know, the, the short stuff, I think they can get back into a rhythm.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And that's, and that's the biggest thing is the discipline, right? Because, at the end of the day, it's more important to not turn the ball over than it is to score touchdowns. And obviously, it's important to score touchdowns, clearly. But like, it's more important not to throw interceptions, really. And, and that's, and that's a huge part of his game that was lacking. And he's really come up with that discipline. And, and I'll tell you what, he's impressed me. He really has. It. And I didn't know if he had it in him. I really didn't. After those first few years, I looked at him and said, okay, do we know? Is Josh Allen good or not? We don't know. And, and I think he's, at least, definitively said he's good. Now, is he elite? I don't know. We don't know that yet because he hasn't been able to play at that level all year long. But I think you can definitively, definitively close the book on he's not good. I think you have to at least admit that he's good with the with the ability now, the ability to potentially be elite. You know, if he can continue doing it, doing this and playing this all year, playing this way all year. I mean, I think he's got a good case to be an elite
1: elite quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think every Bills fan obviously probably got more excited than was appropriate after four games, um, because after four games he was, you know, the, he was on pace for 5,300 yards and 60 touchdowns. That obviously wasn't going to be the case, but it was fun to see. Right. The key is in these last three losses, none of them were sorry. Uh, two, you know, the two losses and then the kind of ugly Jets win. Beating the Jets ugly basically counts as a loss. Um, so in those three games who haven't been up to that part, right. and they haven't broke 20 points in those three games. None of them have been because of him. So that's really the difference. This last year, the defense was great, and if Josh played well, they won, and if he played badly, they lost. And pretty much all the losses were on him. That's a huge shift this year, and a huge shift from the sustainability of his future from a floor standpoint is that – these losses were because of the defense or because of other circumstances not being able to come through, and he wasn't the reason that they lost. And that is a really good, you know, kind of harbinger for future success in that I don't know that I ever saw that as his floor. I always thought it was going to be the roller coaster, great games, and then he's also going to be the reason we lose. If he can start to settle in at his bad games are now average, that's something special I don't know that I expected.
2: And Greg, you obviously one of the main pieces that's kind of making his job a little bit easier was obviously the acquisition of Stephon Diggs. Um, I guess talk about him and what he's been able to do for that offense. Obviously, you know, open up the field for for guys like Beasley and 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 um, you know, obviously opening up the second level for Singletary, who's a threat in both the passing game. Um, Diggs is, in my opinion, uh, up there with Devonte Adams, one of the best route runners, if not the best route runner in, in the game. Uh, creates natural separation. He He's a tough cover each week, and certainly uh, those two have been on the same page right away.
1: Yeah, so it's it's really the domino effect of what he created. Obviously, he's a really good player. He's had good chemistry with Josh. He's done a great job. What it's really done is, you know, John Brown was having to kind of pretend to be a wide receiver one last year. and he, I mean, he did. He had 68 catches, 1,000 yards. He had a really yeah. nice season. But yeah. he's not a number one receiver for any team that, that's nope. looking at that. He just kind of had to play the role. Now you put him opposite, and honestly, some of these struggles the last couple games have been because John Brown was out. Um, when you have him, he's now a really high-class wide receiver, too, to be able to have over there. And then you're talking about if you have those two on the outside, you can't give any extra safety help or attention on Cole Beasley. And if you get Beasley isolated on a on a, a linebacker, he can embarrass anybody. So it's really the trickle-down effect that Stephon Diggs opened up for the rest of the offense that now everybody else has more favorable matchups and even getting number one corner attention. You know, when Stephon Diggs is on his game running routes, there's nobody who can cover him. He can create separation on anybody. Um, So it's just that combination that they never had anybody like that before that another team had to game plan around. Nobody was game planning around John Brown. Nobody was game planning around Cole Beasley. Now they have a guy that you're afraid of and then some other guys who can take advantage of that attention Uh, So when they have everybody healthy and everybody in the game and their mind right, um, I think that that gives some real potential to what they can put together.
2: What a help Beasley's been the last two years. I I mean, I love him. He he reminds me he plays a similar style to Edelman in his prime. I mean, talk about just consistent, right? You know what you're getting from him each week. It's six to seven catches for anywhere between 70 to 100 yards. He's a chain mover. Uh, He's a big piece of that offense. He's going to have a tough test, obviously, with John Jones likely on him this week who I think is one of the best slot corners in the game, physical, can really run with anybody. He runs like a 4-3. Those are always some interesting matchups. But, uh, man, (laughs) if he's your number three, things are going well up there. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, and so this past week, he was actually an extension of the run game. They were running a really interesting combination of RPOs where Josh was reading it with Singletary and Moss. And then when the linebacker safety came over, they were running kind of a stack formation with uh, usually Gabe Davis in front of him, who's a bigger receiver. And when they came over, he saw it as an opportunity. He'd throw it out there for one of those quick little bubble screens, and you had a blocking receiver in Beasley with one corner. And they ended up kind of optioning to that four or five different times, and every time there's a free 10 yards. So it was just basically an extension of the run game because Beasley is so quick with the ball in his hands. So, you know, whether he's running those option routes, whether he's, he's actually really deadly down at the goal line because of running those option routes, just like you guys know with Edelman, when the guy doesn't know which direction he's going to go and he can play that leverage against you. And all you need is the quick little separation to get the ball and fall down. And it still counts. It is tough to be able to, to guard against.
0: Yeah, sure is sure is. I'll tell you that much. And I think I want to transition a little bit just into some trade deadline talk, because we were talking a little bit off air about how, you know, Bill's fans are getting a little antsy just as Patriots fans are too, uh, about, about making a trade. And and of course, if the Patriots lose, uh, to the bills on Sunday, it changes the narrative as to, um, you know, as to what the trade trade deadline would look like for them. But the bills are interesting because people are like, Oh yeah, you know, make a trade and do this. And well, they just traded a first round draft pick for Stefan Diggs. Like, they gave up a lot to get him. And by the way, uh, you know, Minnesota traded him, of course, but drafted Justin Jefferson in the first round, he looks pretty damn good too. So it's almost like, it's crazy how they were just, they like get rid of one elite receiver, bring another elite receiver in almost. It looks like it was just crazy uh, from, from Minnesota standpoint, but, you know, talk about kind of what you think, uh, what you expect from the bills, um, you know, at the trade deadline, what you expect to see from them. I assume you know, it's going to be something like we've seen from the Patriots when they were successful, which is, you know, kind of those smaller guys. But uh, but what do you think?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, people are obviously throwing it, you know, whenever you threw out the rumors for Stefan Gilmore, you had plenty of Bill's friends jumping out there. Oh, bring him home, bring him back to Buffalo. Or, you know, J.J. Watts on the market, and he wants to get out of Houston. One, the Bills don't have the cap space to do that. And two, just like you said, they've already traded away Some, you know, major draft assets and and didn't add a first round pick this year with that controlled rookie contract. Um, So they're not going to be making any splash trades like that. Um, There's a couple of things I could see them and you know, you're seeing some of these other moves, you know, where you have. You know, Carlos Dunlap going for a sixth round pick, and uh, Marcus Golden going for a sixth round pick. If they want to get in that kind of market where you're giving away a late day three pick for a, a low price player, I could see that. There's a couple guys. The one technique is the one space that I think they could. They didn't plan on Star Lotulei opting out this year, so they didn't really have a. You know, no, most teams don't carry multiple one technique run stopping D tackles, um, so they didn't have really a backup plan. And they have some bigger three tech guys trying to fit in in that spot, but they're not really natural to it. So if they can go get, you know, Delvin Tomlinson from the Giants or Tim Settle from the Redskins or Danny Shelton from the Lions or somebody that's a struggling team and a guy in an expiring contract looking to just kind of get, get them out out and get something before they leave the free agency. um, I could see something like that, but I don't expect a big move for the Bills.
0: I mean, it makes sense to me. You know, it makes sense to me because you're not giving up a time. I mean, I think back to like 2014, you know, Akeem Ayers comes in, Jonathan Casillas comes in, you know, guys that are guys that help out, but they're not like star players, right? They're like guys that fit in here or there, right? Kyle Vannoy, obviously, Patriot, obviously turned out to be a really good player, but was was a nobody when the Patriots traded for him. So those yeah, are the types of guys bust. that I think... He was a
1: bust in, in Detroit.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so that's... You know that that's the stuff where I would look at and say, okay, you're you're looking to make a move like that to bring a guy like that league, in because that makes sense, right?
2: Man, yeah, a lot of it's those crazy, guys, man. and he was a big piece. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting too from a Patriots side, like how how crazy things go. I mean, last year obviously traded that second round pick for for Mosinu and that kind of blew up in their face. But um, yeah, for, as far as the Bills go, like that, like you said, those Patriot like moves would just be perfect
0: right it's interesting it's definitely an interesting uh an interesting situation where you look at it and say now the bills are in this spot and the patriots are and and like you know like spag said like patriots lose on sunday and they all of a sudden become sellers of the deadline not buyers and so uh that's going to be really interesting to see as well and we talked a little bit about about gilmore um before you before you got on and, and you mentioned him here too so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. You know, are they going to move Gilmore? Are they, going to move, are they going to move Cam Newton? Are they going to, like, what are they going to do if they were to lose this game to the Bills? And I think that that's, it's just such a fascinating setup um, for a game. And honestly, just the way that they've played so far this year, it's, it's really hard to look at this game and think the Patriots are going to win realistically. But, but psychologically for the Bills now, psychologically for me, if I'm the Patriots and I win the toss, I elect to receive because if the Patriots get up early on the Bills, psychologically now, the Patriots have had the number, have had the Bills number for 20 years. And I know I know it was Brady, and Brady's not here anymore, but it doesn't matter. It's still the Patriots. And, you know, as Spag said, you've waited 20 years to put the nail in the coffin on the Patriots, and you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it last year. You, you just you haven't been able to do it the Patriots score early. Now their offense has been terrible, but if somehow by some miraculous way, they drive down and kick a fi- or or score a touchdown and the bills don't score and the Patriots go out to like a 10 to 14 point lead. You know, I think some of those doubts might start creeping into the heads of the, of the bills players. Like, Oh my God, here we go again. Like, what is this? It's the freaking Patriots. We just can't beat them. And that to me, is the only way that this game turns out in the Patriots favor, in my opinion. I just look at it and say mentally and psychologically, you have to get out to a to a to a quick start against the spills team because if the Patriots are playing from behind, I don't see any chance that they win this game.
1: Hey, I think you're spot on. Yeah, I think that matter of fact, I'll take it even a step further. I think we're gonna know the outcome of this game by the end of the first quarter. I think that we're gonna see very quickly If the Patriots get out to an early lead, that means that it's a positive game script. That means there's a huge dose of Damian Harris. That means that you have Cam Newton running the ball. You can lean on, you know, Tooney and Mason and Andrews. And that's by far the Bills' biggest weakness is their run defense. So if the Bills jump out to a lead and you start to take away and you get a negative game script and you can lean on that side of it and you get some of that, you know, oh, we finally got it going – I don't see the Patriots coming back. So I think we're going to know pretty quickly what's going on here. And I'm petrified of the fact that I think we're going to know very quickly what the outcome of this game is going to be because uh, the weather is also adding a factor as well. We could have 45 and rainy with high winds, and that's going to lean God. even further into a dogfight, you know, muddy knockdown dragout kind of matchup um, that I think could favor the Patriots needing to slow this down, needing to make it ugly, needing to make the run game be the deciding factor. Because if the run game is a deciding factor, they universally have the better run game.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really fascinating to see what happens and, and uh and look, you know, as a Patriots fan and as someone who covers the team, uh, I'm so anxious. I'm scared. Yeah, oh, I'm so like, I'm so nervous because I know, you know, as a fan, right. And you know, as someone who who's knowledgeable of football, you're looking at it saying, this is it. And that's why I thought last weekend was such an important game. And what really makes me nervous about this team moving forward is that they knew how important it was to, you know, last week to me was huge. Even if they had one last week, they're three and three going into this game. And then it's not the end of the world. If you lose to Buffalo, it's still not good but like 3 and 4 and 6 and 2 it's not impossible. You know, 2 and 5. I mean, that's like that's the season, you know? And so I think that so much Bills know that too. And the Bills know they can bury the Patriots, but at the lose their season's not over yet, right? They still are in command. They still have a have a sizable lead in the division. Miami was creeping up behind them, but now they're starting a rookie quarterback, so like who knows what they're gonna look like uh moving forward. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of question marks about them. So it's really in my opinion, it's really the Bills and the Patriots. And so then it's like, okay, if the Bills knock the Patriots off this weekend, I mean, that's pretty much it for for the Bills. They just look at it and say, All right, let's just let's just be decent the rest of the way through. Even if you just go five hundred, right? And you finish ten and six, whatever, it's good enough to get you, you know, to to win the division and get into the playoffs, you know.
1: I mean, there's so much hanging in the balance of a game like this, and that's not even getting into the 20 years of, you know, stress and and frustration and buildup of never being able to get over the hump. You're talking about, you know, Sean McDermott's never beaten, you know, uh, Bill Belichick with his, you know, opening day quarterback. We don't have any circumstances here where there's any precedent of success in this scenario and now coming into a game where they're, you know, they're rightfully favored. The Bills should be favored at home. On paper, they are the better team. They're supposed to win this. They're not used to that scenario. So all of those other factors adding into this, I think the bills, I'm almost nervous about them being too jacked up for this game and coming out and, you know, making frantic mistakes, getting that, you know, uh, Kyle Brand always jokes about calling sugar high, Josh, You know, and having that sugar rush Josh right off the bat and maybe making a mistake, making a fumble, forcing the ball downfield that, you know, gets picked off by McCourty or, or Gilmore, that kind of play that could tilt the game if you have, let's say they do win the toss, the Patriots win the toss, they go down on one of those 13 play drives where 11 of them are runs and they score, and then Josh gets amped up and thinks he needs to answer immediately and tries to go back and he throws an interception. I think it could unravel quickly and be ugly. Now, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think Josh is very aware of that. He talked about how huge that three-interception game was early last year that really was kind of the eye-opening game for him, and that if you look at his stats before that point and after that point, it's literally like two different humans. Um, So I think he's very conscious of that, but I'm curious if he has the discipline to do it when the moment comes.
2: All right. We'll see what he's got. We'll see what he's got Sunday. It'll be interesting for both teams. Uh, both teams kind of need to step up the plate and, and, and assert themselves. Um, but yeah, th- th- that's what just makes this game so interesting. You'd never think a at, at two and four Patriots team this game would mean so, so much to them. I can't even believe I'm saying that right now.
0: <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I think. It, and it's, uh, and- it's
1: going to be pretty incredible
0: yeah and we're on you know we're on for the first time in a long time we're on the other side of this and it's kind of like it's kind of scary to think about like what happens if if the Patriots lose right and so uh it's going to be really fascinating I'm I'm really looking forward to it and uh I'm scared (laughs) I'm terrified uh but you know but it'll be fun and uh and hopefully hopefully it'll be a good game and we'll see what happens if it comes down to the end and uh you know, some, some drama and some fireworks and, uh, and we'll see, you know, Um, uh, but it should be, it should be interesting. And honestly, the bills, I don't, it's funny because it's always this funny thing where like, I don't hate, I, I feel like no Patriots fans, like truly hate the bills. Like we've always just kind of looked at the bills and like laughed, <laughs> you know, like it's just, they're like this team where it's like, Oh, their fans are funny and they jump through tables and like, they're nuts and they just love their team even though they suck every year. And like, they're good. They're like finally good now. And you're like, "Oh my god. It's good look for these, football." Look at these guys good for the division, look at, yeah. Look at these guys over here, you know? Look at these little well, it, little brother over here like good, you know? And it and it's kind it, of like it's kind of exciting for them, you know?
1: Well, it's hard cuz it the team's never lined up at the same time cuz I grew up with right. I, I literally never knew a Patriots fan existed growing up because yeah. it was it was, you know, constantly battling back and forth with Kelly and Marino. And it was Dolphins fans. And that was the rival for my entire childhood and, and early adult life. And then all of a sudden it switches and you never had the alternative. You, you know, you, the Bills are rivals with the Patriots like a nail is a rival with a hammer. You know, it just, it's not right. the same thing unless each team is winning on each side. So there's a great deal of hatred and resentment and bitterness from Bills fans, but there's no rivalry. There's no competitiveness because the Bills have never been competitive in that situation. And, you know, it's it's not – and just like that previous to that, the Patriots never had that run beforehand. So there was never that built-up animosity that when it switched over, it was – at first, it was the same thing. It was, oh, look at this plucky team coming out of nowhere and being able to do something right. And no one yep. in their right mind thought, oh, this is going to last the next 20 years of my life. That's it's going to happen now. Right. And it was just, you know, there was never that chance for it to happen. So to be honest, I think the chance that you're going to see Josh Allen and Tua Tunga Bailoa and maybe Trevor Lawrence, you know, if the Patriots get something here, we could have that fun competitive rivalry again where, you know, you don't, re- you really don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's exciting to think about.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And it's funny because, you know, you look back, if you go all the way back to 2003, when the Patriots had been in 2 they stunk in oh two. 2 uh, They had obviously just won the Super Bowl. They finished 9-7, and seven, and they were fine. But they really didn't play that well. Um, obviously missed the playoffs. And they, you know, now they cut Loyal Malloy. They go into Buffalo to lose 31 to nothing. They get their doors blown off by Buffalo. And you're like, uh-oh, here we go right and and what happens like they finished they they go 14 and 1 the rest of the way through beat buffalo 31 to nothing week 17 and never looked back went back-to-back championships and you're like you know after week one in 2003 and that's the you know that's the the tom jackson this team doesn't like their coach anymore you know it's like this whole thing you know it's like oh, this team hates their coach you know and so it's like this whole thing where it's like at that moment, Patriots fans were like, "Oh no, here we go!" And then it was like, "No, we're fine. Don't worry about it." You know, and so it's just funny <laughs> to look at it, you know, from from this situation now. And you're right; like there there could be some lean years here for the Patriots, but at the same time, if they get the next guy, whether that's Stidham or somebody else, this could be really interesting with probably Trevor Lawrence in in New York if he decides to come out. Which some things came out where he's like. Yeah, maybe I won't come out. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. You know. Like, I don't blame him. So. I don't blame and
1: then, him. Oh, he, Tua <laughs> and then, my, to, my uh, Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, he pulls an, an Elway or an Eli Manning and decides that he doesn't want to be part of that organization.
0: I mean, Jesus Christ! Like, would you? I mean, the fact that Adam Gates hasn't been fired yet, and we talk about it all the time on, on locker room, like lifetime contract. Give him a lifetime contract. Like, just just oh. do it right now. Like, that's it. You know, like let him stay there forever. But like the fact they haven't fired him yet, this is the worst team I've ever seen. It's the worst team I've ever seen. It's unbelievable how bad they are. And so, you know, and to just, to still leave him there is, is insane. So, you know, but you're right though, if, if the Patriots, you know, kind of get back to this point where they're competitive and I think they can still do that with Belichick, as long as they have a good enough base. Um, and you know, you'll see them trade some pieces and and get some draft picks back and whatnot, like, and then two down in Miami and Josh Allen and over over in Buffalo and if you know whether it's Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whoever it is you know with the Jets like there's a possibility that we could have four pretty good teams in a year or two and so um, it's it's fascinating for me to you know and like you said I mean to see all of those teams compete at the same time would be really cool.
1: Yeah, very much so, and I think it's uh, you know obviously I understand why why Patriots fans would want to continue the complete dominance that they've had, but I think it's good for football to have a competitive, exciting division with all competitive teams. Look at the AFC North right now, where you know you have Joe Burrow up and coming, you have a plucky the Browns team and the, the the Patriots and then the Steelers and the Ravens. That's the kind of fun I'd like to have where you don't know who's going to win and everybody's capable of it.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And it, and it breeds a little bit of resentment too, which is always a good thing. I feel like having resentment but, for, for fans is always kind of a good thing. And again, not like a hatred, but like, you know, like we don't really like you that much. You know what I mean? And that's okay. Nothing really wrong with that. Attention. I think Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's fun, you know? So anyways, Greg, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a blast. We had a, we had a lot of fun chatting with you and um before we let you leave though, you got to you got to plug yourself tell everyone where they can uh read you, see you, hear you. Obviously, most of these guys are Patriots fans, but nevertheless, you never know. You maybe want to get some Bills content out there, you know?
1: So, I'll give the plug, uh, but I'll give one that is worthwhile for you guys. So, uh, obviously, you can find me at Greg Thompson on Twitter. I try to be as reasonable as possible. Uh, you can find all of our work over at cover1.net and the cover1 app. Um, obviously, the majority of what I do is cover the bills, but we have a lot of actually really great draft guys. Uh, so, we have cover1 draft and we have an entire draft series. So, as you're looking at uh, what you want to look forward to. And obviously Patriots fans might need to look forward to the draft this coming year. Uh, you might want to take a look mm-hmm. at the cover one draft and be able to uh, see some of our coverage there. So I'll get in my little dig at the end.
0: Love it. There you go. Yep. <laughs> hey, I'm ready to bust
2: open the, I'm ready to bust out the mock drafts uh, on, on Monday morning. If, if it doesn't go our way, don't, don't worry. You know, it's, it's, uh...
1: <laughs> it's a Bill's tradition. So I'll, I'll welcome you yeah. to it. Yeah. You know, Busting out the mock draft machine in week nine is a Bill's tradition. So uh, I'm all here you, for you know, it,
2: man, at this shit. rate. I'm here for it.
1: <laughs>
0: right. Thank, Thank you, guys. Man, this this meant a lot. I
1: appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we have a good, fun game to watch on Sunday. Yeah. Hey, care.
0: Absolutely. Good luck. Thanks, Greg, man. We'll talk to you.
1: Appreciate it, guys. Today's episode is
0: brought to you by Cars.com.